Well, good morning, Discovery. So glad to have you with us this week. My name is Scott, and I am one of the elders here at Discovery Christian Church. We are on week two of our series on Advent. And if you are unfamiliar with Advent, this is the time of year where we are celebrating the coming of Christ. And it is the four Sundays that lead up to uh, Christmas. And so uh, this is a time where we really look back in a way to when Christ was coming here uh, to this earth. And yet we're also looking forward to when Christ will return. Today, we're going to be in a really cool passage. It's in Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 40. So if you want to get your Bibles out, you can follow along with me. But before we get there, I have a couple of things I wanted to share. First is that with this passage, just like any other passage in the Bible, we want to look at what it is that is actually happening here, and also what it is that this passage is actually about. So what do I mean by that? Well, in this passage, we're going to see two things are happening. The first is that Jesus' parents are going to take him to the temple as was required by the law. And the second is that Jesus is going to be blessed by two people who are there and spoken over, and their names are Simeon and Anna. And that's the, the actual events of what is taking place. But the significance about this, what this really is about, uh, and you'll want to catch this as we go through the passage, is this is about hope being fulfilled for those who are patient and afflicted. And it's also about major paradigm shifts taking place at that point in time. Now, there are going to be three paradigm shifts that I want you to follow along and see uh, as we go through the passage. The first is going to be a movement from a focus on Israel only to this greater narrative or this more expansive view towards all nations. The second is going to be moving from a focus on the past and then moving it to the future. And then the third is going to be moving away from dark, troubled times to times where there is light and there is hope going forward in the future. Now, uh, I want us to actually begin real quickly in the Old Testament with a verse that comes out of Psalms. So in Psalm 46, chapter 10, we read, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I think this is a wonderful passage to set us up for what we're going to read about in Luke later today for a couple of reasons. One is that it invites us to wait, which is something that uh, Advent is really all about. There is a waiting element, right? There is an expectation. And it's not something that we're always comfortable with doing or that we want to do, but that's what we're being invited towards. The second is that the end result of this waiting is something really good, and that is that God is exalted. And finally, that this exalting of God isn't just for us personally or us only, but it is really truly for all of the earth. So if you'll join me now in the book of Luke, uh, again, chapter 2, verses 22 to 40, uh, we will go ahead and read. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord, 
and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. So his parents, uh, Jesus' parents, have brought him to the temple. They're doing what any good Jewish family at that time would have been doing, following the law, uh, looking back uh, to what God had done for the people of Israel. And it's very uh, Israel-specific. It's, it's a requirement. They are fulfilling this. And we'll see that a couple other times uh, in this passage, this theme of doing what is required. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee in their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. All right, so there's actually a lot going on in this passage, um, but we want to begin by looking at this through the lens of these two very key figures, uh, Simeon and Anna. And so briefly, I want to step into each of them. Uh, Simeon is described here as being righteous and devout, and we are told that the Holy Spirit was on him. In fact, we see in three successive verses, in verse 25, 26, and 27, that there is a reference to something that the Holy Spirit is doing through Simeon. And what we find out is that with the second of those, the Holy Spirit has spoken to him and given him a promise that he will not die before he sees Jesus, which is really a pretty amazing promise to have made. Um, and if we really think about this, if Advent is the waiting for God's salvation, and all of Israel at this time is practicing Advent in a sense, because they're all expecting a Savior at some point in time. But Simeon's the very first person to practice Advent knowing that this is coming for sure in his lifetime. 
because he's going to believe the, that promise that has been given to him by the Holy Spirit. So it's amazing. He is a great example of practicing Advent. Um, we also see, though, that he is going to prophesy about Jesus, and we'll come back to that in a moment, so hang on to that uh, part of his narrative. Now we come to Anna, and she gets a few verses that come kind of near the end, but they're very uh, significant verses, packed with a lot of great information. First is that we see that Scripture is bringing to the forefront a woman, which is something that at that particular time is not going to be common at all to see happening. And so uh, I love this, that Scripture intentionally is elevating the status of women in passages like these. Um, she is described in a lot of uh, great terms as well. We get to find out that she worships day and night, that she's fasting and praying. We find out that she is a prophet as well, and that we see her speak words over Jesus as well. But we also get to learn some significant background things about Anna. First is that we learn that she was married for seven years and she's now 84 years old. And so she's been a widow for a very significant amount of time. Now, while the passage doesn't tell us exactly how old she was when she got married, it was pretty common at that time though, for people to get married maybe in their teenage years or their early 20s. And so if we do the math on this, it is not unlikely that Anna has been a widow for 50 or maybe even as much as 60 years. And this really reminds us in some ways of grief. Someone like Anna gets to look back at her past. She gets to think about what did I hope life was going to turn out to look like? What were my expectations? And she may suffer a certain amount of disappointment that goes along with that. After all, in this culture, marriage and children really bear a great deal of meaning. And we don't see those parts taking up the prominent place in her story, but instead we see uh, something a little more prominent around the idea of her being a widow. So she could have buried her entire identity in this, in grief and in widowhood and in just saying, you know what, life is not fair and it's really hard. But she gives us a great example of another way to go with things. I would contend that what we see Anna doing is that she never leaves the temple. She's fasting and praying. She is there with God. And so she is putting all her hope and her identity in God. She is clinging to him because God is the one who's going to secure her future. She's not going to be defined by her past. And I think that's really uh, another really significant thing for us to think about. Widows in this time, they're, they're not people of status. They're not people of power. They have no means in any way. And so they have to be uh, cared for by others, in this case, uh, by, by God, by the church. And so what she also speaks into us is that Jesus is actually for everyone. He's not just for those who are influential, those who are powerful, or anything like that, but Jesus is also for those of no status, of no means whatsoever. Uh, other than being in the church, she's homeless in a way. 
So we can all then have a space where Jesus reaches us and applies to us. And we get to see her, of course, prophesying about Jesus, which uh, is just beautiful if we think about that. So a couple of real important things for us to think about here. One is in this passage, Simeon and Anna, we're finding them both surrounding this idea of waiting and around hope. So they both are in these postures where they are waiting for something to be revealed. In Simeon's case, very clearly, he is waiting for the Messiah to be revealed before he can die. And so this certainly leads us to believe that he is an older uh, individual or an older guy um, and that this is the promise God has given and he's waiting for it to be fulfilled. Anna is also waiting for things. She's waiting for God's promises. She's waiting for the good things that God wants to give. And they're both doing this um, in a, a posture that reflects a hopeful expectation during really dark times. Neither of them is seen as, I'm here, but I'm kind of not sure that this is going to work out, right? They are both seen as fully clinging to God, fully enmeshed in the life of what God is doing right there. And this, being in these dark times, we have to remember that Israel at this point is under Roman occupation. We have to remember that they're rarely hearing from God. And again, being told that you're going to die is not necessarily a happy thing, right? Like, this is a dark thing for Simeon to hear. Having outlived a spouse for potentially 50 or 60 years, that is a dark personal thing that she's dealing with. And yet we find both of them waiting and with hope. Perhaps you can relate on some level to that kind of feeling of I'm waiting and things are really difficult. 2020 has been a very difficult year with the pandemic and we're all waiting for uh, a vaccine, with racial reconciliation issues that we are waiting to see how will this play out, with a presidential transition, how will this play out? And we have a choice on how we are going to approach the way that we wait. We can focus on the really difficult elements, and we can be associated with grief if that's the choice that we make. But as the examples of Simeon and Anna show us, there is another choice, and that is for us to wait with hopeful expectation to see God's deliverance. <laughs> now we also, uh, in this passage, are gonna see the really important element of this Israel and nations dynamic. And I wanna bring us back again to the idea that Joseph and Mary are going to the temple, doing what's required by the law. So again, looking back in their history uh, and doing what's expected, very distinctly Jewish thing for them to do. We're not seeing other peoples uh, doing such a thing at this particular time. Uh, and yet what we see from Simeon in his words in verses 30 to 32 are quite profound in shifting this narrative, in, in um, changing the paradigm a little bit. As Simeon says, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. So been, Jesus is here for everyone to see. A light for revelation to the Gentiles, which is a, a, a term to mean anyone who is not Jewish. Right? And the glory of your people, Israel. 
So he very directly speaks over uh, Jesus here, giving thanks to God, not for, hey, thanks for sending your salvation that is only for Israel, but he expands this uh, to be able to say, this is good news. This Advent is waiting. This salvation is actually for all people. It's for all nations. It's for the Gentiles. It's for the whole world. And that's amazing. This is highly countercultural at that particular point in time. So if you can say it with me now, hashtag church for the rest of us. Bearing in mind that when Paul is on the scene 50 or 60 years after this, and he is wanting to go share the gospel with the Gentiles, this is still a contentious issue even at that time. So for Simeon to be drawing this out now is really, really countercultural in this particular moment. But I love it because it's beautiful, because it, it, it includes other people and says Jesus is for everyone. And it really looks forward. It says we're no longer going to be about trying to restrict God just for ourselves here, but this is really for everyone, for all nations, as we go forward into the future. So what do we do with this? Well, there's a few things that I would suggest we might want to think about, questions we might want to ask ourselves as we reflect on the passage for today. <laughs> Again, going off of this idea that Simeon's words show that Jesus is meant for all nations, I think that we can all agree with that in a modern sense, that certainly we want Christ to be preached throughout the world. But we can also really think about this in our personal situations recognizing that Jesus is not meant only for those of us who already believe, which would just be keeping him all to ourselves, but he is meant for all of the world. So who are you sharing Jesus with right now? Or who are you praying for so that those individuals might come to know Jesus? Second is that we see in this passage, these individuals, Simeon and Anna, are faithful to following God. And we see that Jesus' parents are faithful in doing what they are supposed to at that time, taking him to the temple. And so this faithfulness leads to God showing up in their midst, quite literally. This is good news, seeing God showing up to those who are waiting, some of whom are in very difficult personal circumstances, and certainly in a difficult cultural circumstance at that time. So where do you need God to show up for you right now? And are you waiting for him to show up with a hopeful expectation? Finally, I want us to close with a thought from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a very prominent German theologian in the 20th century. And he uh, opposed Hitler and was actually placed in a concentration camp and was later executed uh, due to that opposition. So I think he's someone who knows a little bit about being in dark and difficult times and yet still holding on to a lot of hope. And here's what he has to say about Advent, this waiting with a hopeful expectation for salvation. The celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater to come. 
So in other words, Advent is for those of us who are looking for deliverance. Are you focusing on the troubles that you see all around you or that you are currently in? Or is your focus on the future deliverance found in Christ? Will you bow your heads with me? Jesus, we thank you for this time of, of year where we can celebrate that hopeful expectation, Lord, of your coming. And Lord, we ask that you would just fill us with your peace. Help us, Lord, to just know that you are here with us. Help us to set our eyes and our sights, Lord, on you and not on all the troubles that are around us which are real, Lord, and which are prevalent, and they weigh so heavy on us. And Lord, we could allow ourselves to be defined by those difficulties and by that grief. But Lord, we want to be defined instead as people who follow you and who are delivered by you. Thank you for loving us. Would you go with us, Lord, uh, as we head into this upcoming week? And we pray these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.